Hello and welcome to Those Vicar Blokes. I'm Howell, the Nerdy Vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. So, uh, what, what have you been up to today? Have you done anything fun? I've had a cold. You've had a cold? I've That's had a cold. Fun. So we recorded last week, didn't we? And then I came down with a cold. and So I haven't done anything fun for a week because I've had a cold. Oh. So I've sort of worked and taken it easy and not done, done much fun. I saw a fantastic film on the weekend. I saw Mean Girls. Did you? Yeah, we, we talked about Lord of the Flies later on and I think it's quite similar in some ways. Yeah, mean maybe Girls. it is, yeah. Have you seen Mean Girls? No. Oh, well, we record this back afterwards. I forgot to put in that thing about Mean Girls because it is like Lord of the Flies. There's another take I had on it. Right. You think about it. So I watched Lord of the Flies and Mean Girls in the same day. Oh, that is good. Yeah, so it yeah. was a bit of a dark Saturday last Saturday. Yeah. I did enjoy Mean Girls. It was good. It's a musical. Yeah. yeah. So I understand. Yeah, so in this episode, we're on about... Um, Lord of the Flies in the last... Yeah, and a different Lord, Lord Shaftesbury. Lord Shaftesbury, who um, overcomes uh, evil on a child. Yeah, a different Lord again. Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, Christ. our Lord and Saviour. So it's all Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Yeah. (laughs) Three very different (laughs) Lords. Lords. (laughs) That'd be a good title for it. It would. Three Lords. Yeah. Lord Shaftesbury, Lord Jesus, and Lord of the Flies. Yeah. There we go, so that's quite good. Um, So, yeah, hold on to your hats for the music then. Right, Dave, um, we were looking at Lord Shaftesbury. Do you Lord look Shaftesbury, up? I looked him up. Yeah. I've checked his Wikipedia. Have you? I have. So uh, I couldn't believe what political party he was part of. That really annoyed me, actually, well, Wales. Uh, so what, what party was he? Do you remember? He was a Tory MP. He was a Tory MP. I was just He was a bit like that one in the post office drama, wasn't he? He was a Tory MP. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, why, why, why do you have good Tory MPs? You know, it's my own prejudice there, I think. Really yeah, good. Anthony Ashley Cooper, um, born on the 28th of April, 1881. That's him, is it? That's who he is, that's who he is. Yeah. Became the Earl of Shaftesbury, yeah. Yeah. The seventh Earl of Shaftesbury. So he's like dead posh, isn't he? He's, he's like, wait, he's, he was posh and now he's dead. Yeah, well, um, he was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was posh, yeah. So, yeah, um, and... Uh, stood up for various sectors of society, um, was set to look at what happened with those who were deemed insane. Yeah. Um, and so looked at the conditions in their asylums um, and decided it was horrific and thought to have it changed. Yeah. Um, so there were improvements there. Thought to have the definitions of what made you insane changed. Mm. So as people who were not insane, didn't get classed as such. Yeah. Um, and then started on various other sectors, uh, such as child labour and uh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It, it, a lot of these, it's worth looking them up, actually, these heroes from the Victorian age, because they made our world, didn't they, really? Yeah. Like this idea that the welfare state, I was really annoyed with this, actually, because what I was taught in school is that welfare reform and stuff only came from... <laughs> these sorts of like trade unions and things yeah. like that, which is true, you know, you know, Merthyr Rising and all of that and the Chartist movement and all those sorts of things. But also as well, there's another movement in there which transformed Britain and gave us, and I think it's been undone now, 
which is why we're kind of in a mess. Uh, and Lord Shaftesbury basically invented what we understand as childhood. Yeah. And, and, and invented what we understand as mental illness, really. What? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. I, th- I think, I wouldn't say he invented childhood, but he allowed children to have a childhood. Well, he invented the concept of childhood. Yeah. Because to, to give a bit of context is what was happening in the industrial area is before the Industrial Revolution, children would always work in the home or on the fields. Yeah. So, like, um, let's think about looms. You, you know looms and things? Well, as in, like, these things that you use for um, knitting. Making That's a loom, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of industry was done, like, in cottage industry. So there'd be women in their homes making clothes with these looms and things, right? Um, and they would make all sorts of other things, like spinning and all those yeah. other things, like these cottage industries. And the kids would help the mum uh, in doing what they were doing, right? So they would always work or they'd help in the fields doing what the dad yeah. was doing or whatever and all sorts of things. And so when they went into the cities and the towns, this idea of children working was just what everybody did, except what you had very, very quickly was five-year-old kids, you know, 300 feet below underground in darkness for 12 hours opening doors yeah well he um or pushing trucks he was responsible for a minimum age in the in the mine workings and responsible for not sending young children up chimneys anymore and all the rest of it it was yeah and and, and i had to fight quite hard for it to get it through the house of commons faced a lot of opposition um which is you kind of look at it now and think these things are barbaric and how on earth did that happen and then when you look at the time scales it's not actually that long ago well there was a there was a 200 years but you'd kind of think this was well older than that oh well this is the thing this is the myth of progress isn't it is that we think that the reason that we understand the world the way we do now and the way we understand childhood the way we do now is because of people like lord shaftesbury yeah you know is if if he wasn't around, we'd still have five-year-olds like they do in many countries now, like where we get our um, cobalt for our um, electric cars. Yeah. Is we have little kids digging mines, digging up cobalt and taking it up there. And they did a report in the 19th century around the time of abolition of slavery saying the conditions in the factories in Lancashire and in the mines across the country were worse than they were in the... um, in the West Indies. Yeah. You know, this is like five-year-old kids opening doors in a mine uh, and six, seven, eight-year-old kids pushing trucks with no, literally naked. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you can't imagine it. You cannot imagine it. And do you know who actually um, was the, big, the greatest opposition to uh, child labour laws? No. The progressives, the liberals. And why would that be? Because the Tories were the people who were conservative, who represented the farming and landowning classes, right? Yeah. So they represented, this is why Tories always do well in the countryside, right? Because they represented the farming uh, constituency, the church, those sorts of people like that, right? 
Um, while the Liberals represented the cities and the towns and the entrepreneurs and free trade and all those sorts of things. So basically, if they got rid of child labour, it cost them a fortune. The Liberal Party was bankrolled by people like the Iron Masters and the Cotton Loat Barons and people like that. Yeah. But you don't learn no, that in school. No, you don't. You just kind of think that the way that it's set up now is the way that it's always been. Um, and that's clearly not true on, on this stuff. No. Um, but it's amazing that, you know, it's amazing that and we're not told, actually, like we say, oh, we don't have child labour laws now, but we're never told why. And what it is, is because evangelical Christians actually stood up to the forces of the establishment, all the money, the wealth of the British Empire... And overturned this, these horrendous yeah. injustices. You know, yeah. same as William Wilberforce. Really, we we should put him in one day. But it's the same story. But rather than for slaves in the West Indies and slaves in the UK, it, it's the same thing. Is that you've got to take on um, these powers? Like today, it's like taking on the, the multinationals or something. Yeah, you know, you've got to, and they did it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and, and actually persevered. I mean, when you look at the the information on him, fought really hard to get these these laws through. Um, you know, that stopped and and limited the number of hours that people could do and all the rest of it. Yeah, he limited uh, children's working hours to ten hours first. Ten hours, yeah, but he had to fight really hard, and and they sort of agreed a twelve hour bit in between, and then it was years before he managed to get it down to ten hours and was trying to get that for um, under 18s and there was a compromise at under 13s. Do you think, okay, so he managed to get a law passed that meant that people at 13 couldn't work more than 12 hours a day or in in uh, or overnight, you know, and you think, what? Yeah. How, how, why? What? How, why was that happening? You know, it just seems to be completely beyond our comprehension as only being 200 years ago. Yeah, you can tell you don't come from an industrial part of Britain, or no? Because that's my heritage in the sense is that we were taught about what they was like in the mines and all these sorts of things as kids. Because you you were surrounded by the the scars in the environment of of these pits, and you had museums there and so on. And yeah, but see, Bristol was industrial, but Bristol was was enabled to move on and and to almost leave its history behind. That is something I've noticed about Bristol. Like when I went down that Elm Shed or whatever, Elm Shed, that thing. Yeah. Is it, there's very little in there about slavery. Very yeah, but we don't want to admit to it. But if we go to Liverpool, you know, we've got that Liverpool docks, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, where they filmed this morning and that, right? Yeah. They've got a brilliant museum up there, and Liverpool was just as involved in, well, not just as, but it was involved yeah, in but slavery. Somehow they've done a better job of acknowledging it and owning it. And, well, for want of a better word, repenting of it. Yeah. You can't repent of something if you don't admit to it. No. And and I think that that as a city we've we've struggled to admit to it. We've hidden it away. We've and, and that's because we're still benefiting from the money that was made. It was such significant sums that were made, we're still benefiting from it. Um mm. Uh, well, I suppose it's a different story then with the mines and stuff and things like that. Is that in a sense it was that was something that was done 
to or in the same Lancashire and stuff. It's something that was done to the population by like these entrepreneurs yeah. and stuff, isn't it? So we had William Crochet. Like if you go to Merthyr, which I wouldn't recommend, but you know, um, if you went to Merthyr, they got a castle there called um, uh, oh, I forgot this now, Cavartha Castle, right? And in Cavartha Castle, he was the Iron Master, right? And you can go around the castle. You've got Cavartha Park, and you can you can learn all about uh, the history of of the Iron Masters and the and the Coal Masters there. Yeah. As a kid, that's why I was taken to learn about. There's um there's a clock in Earth that's got three um three faces, right? So yeah. William Crochet, right? Um, when he was uh, building this this clock, he didn't put a face on the side that faced his iron uh his his blast furnace. So he didn't want his workers knowing the time. <laughs> and it's still there, like. Yeah. And on his grave, right? So you want to be able to see the time when you know when you're due to go to work, but, but not when it's time work. to go. That's the type of people we're dealing with. Yeah. And then you had on his grave, right? You can go to his grave, big massive grave. And he had this big thing that he didn't want to be resurrected, right? Because if he was resurrected, he was so awful that he had this huge stone placed on his grave to stop him being resurrected. And it's <coughs> on his grave, God forgive me. Because he was so awful. Yeah. But that's that it was people like that with all that power. Like when we got them today, haven't we? Except they exploit people in Africa and South America and Asia, don't they? And, and over here as well. Well, they do. Expl- yeah. yeah. You know, it's uh, they're the ones who run the illegal gangs and stuff who do all sorts of things. And, yeah, but at least um, now they're illegal. Yeah. Well, they're not illegal in Africa. Are they in, no. in these cobalt mines and what have you. In, uh, no, absolutely. So no, it's not. So when we go on about oh, we've progressed, um, and we've still got people. children working looms. Oh yeah, they're just in Bangladesh now or Indonesia because yeah. that's where most of our clothing comes from. Yeah. So it's no, um, and 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 it's cheaper because you know they don't pay the children very much. They make it. Yeah, and there's no health know, and safety there. We we our social conscience only extends to the people that we can see. And yeah. if they're out of sight, they're out of mind. But wasn't it that's how um, Shaftesbury did it? Though is it we did these engravings, right, of how how the conditions that kids worked in? Because if you were a nice sort of middle class, well to do person, you would never see in the the factory. No, you would not be aware of what it, was happening. It, it's the pictures on the fag packets, isn't it? Yeah, he did the same sort of thing, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. to 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 make it evident to people what the effects are. He put it right in their face so they couldn't not see it. And he did the same with slavery, didn't he? Yeah. But he had those those wonderful things where he had um, sort of sugar jars that said like you know don't forget where the sugar comes from sort of thing. Yeah. yeah and all that. Yeah. I like that. And um, but yeah, the thing that really disgusted them was that um, the kids were naked. Yeah. They weren't that bothered about, you know, the fact they what they were working twelve hours or whatever. They just thought it was incredible that they were naked, because it was hot in the in the mine. So that's why they did what they did. But do you know? Does it say in the article uh, about who the greatest opposition were? One of the greatest opponents of his uh, legislation was. I don't think it does. No, it it only it it tells me how many votes each vote was lost or won by. Mm. But it didn't actually tell me who. Do you want to have a guess then? Who were the people? Who were the people who opposed it almost the most? 
who are the two groups of people who opposed it the most? Well, you would have thought it would be the people who were employing them. Right, that's the obvious one. What's the other one? The parents of the kids. Why? They weren't making any serious money to be had. Even if they worked for somebody else, it wouldn't make any money. I suppose it, it, it enables them to increase their output. So their income would go down as a direct result of their children not being able to work. Exactly. And so they had no aspiration for them. They didn't want them to be educated because Shaftesbury wanted them to be educated as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah Don't exactly. matter how poor you are, you had the right to an education. That's right. so he, they invented Christianity, Christian evangelical Christians invented the idea of childhood education. Yeah. Not just for the UK, but for the world. Yeah. Right? In that sort of sense. That's not not before Shaftesbury, it was well to do good people, the right type of people, they should educate their children, right? But Shaftesbury and the rest of them what they you know, the kids who were down in mines to be educated too. Yeah. But why did you think, so they, it would cost them money, so they didn't want well, to... Well, they might not be able to afford to live anymore. Exactly. That, that income's not going to be replaced. Yeah, so the working people hated Shaftesbury because he was going to make them starve. And they hated the idea of education because they, they would just starve. That's what they thought. Well, there's some good logic to that, isn't there? Yeah. So it's a bit more complicated, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit more complicated. And as well, culturally, up until up until the Industrial Revolution, children had always worked from the dawn of time. Yeah. But what had happened was the type of work they were doing had changed from helping their mum out with the loom and helping their you know, helping out in the fields and doing certain jobs were always done by children. So children in the in the rural areas were an economic asset. So having lots of kids was good because then you could get them working, innit? it? And it would be yeah. the same in the industrial areas as well. If you had like eight, nine kids, you could put them all to work, couldn't you? Get yeah. money. Yeah. So you could, you know, have a better life. So you'd be well away, innit? If you've got six kids, innit? You'd be yeah. Kids, innit? It, wow, I, I've got six kids and they cost me a fortune. Well, in those days, you could have sent them down the mine, you see, and they yeah. wouldn't cost you anything. I think it would do some of my kids good to go down a mine. <laughs> have to actually do some proper hard work for a change well that was the other objection is that it would make people lazy if they went to school yeah there's some truth in that do you reckon oh, oh well I, I, I think I think there's some solid evidence that that large proportions of of society are, are, are lazy and that's just just my kids. That's just my kids. Um, <laughs> Call them out, Dave, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, on the pot, they don't listen, so it's all oh, right. You're all right. No, they don't yeah. want to listen to it, so. But you I know, I can say what I like about them. Who's that on the phone? Oh, that's somebody at the front door. Oh, tell the go away. So it's just, yeah. It's probably a package from Timu. Team, oh. You know, so it's some child yeah, in China can make yeah, it, and then, and then it can be delivered to Mars. You know, good old Lord Shaftesbury getting your Timo from China. So, well, yeah, but we got to recognise our own faults, haven't we? Well, I suppose. So that's Lord Shaftesbury. Um, I'm sorry, I'm really into him. I think he's. I think he's good. Think he's um, uh, we shouldn't. We should bear in mind, of course, that he um, he opposes all of those bits that you and I like about church, though. He was very anti-Catholic. He was. He was yeah, anti-Oxford movement. He was, he was yeah. uh, you know, and, and that is our style of churchmanship. 
Yeah, he was against um, all that. Yeah, I'll give him that. And he was a founder member of what is now the Bible Society as well. So was seeking to get the word of God. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Oh. Seeking to get the word of God out there. Um, yeah, and he was... And, and understood, so that was... And, that, and he made education go global as well. Because yeah. Because the Bible Society was on the missionary societies. Yeah. Transform places like India and... And um, parts of all sorts, all over the place, where they they thought the this idea of every child should be educated comes directly from Christianity, yeah. which is the opposite of what we're told in school. Yeah, because we're told in school that Christianity doesn't like education because you'll find out there's no God. So Christianity's always tried to stop education. Yeah, which is just. A, c- a complete lie. Well, it's the opposite of yeah. truth, isn't it? It's not a lie, it's anti-truth. So that's actually quite scary that somebody who's so central to our society as Shaftesbury isn't taught about in school, nobody knows about him, no one knows the story, because that story doesn't fit with uh, the current narrative, with, with, because the current narrative is false. Yeah. Well, we should actually, say something quickly about him uh, with the um, uh, insanity thing about uh, asylums and things. Basically, he stopped what people would do, particularly nasty men, would say that their wives, if they wanted to get married again, they would say that their wives were insane and uh, send them off to Bedlam, which would be um, yeah. the asylums. So basically, bin them off in an asylum and uh, so they could say, oh, they, they're hysterical and all that. So this idea of the hysterical woman and all of that. Um, so then they could get married again or whatever. Um, mostly middle and upper class people were doing this. Uh, and he brought in things like being sectioned and having proper examinations that yeah. people wouldn't uh, be able to do that. Cary Grant's mum, actually, he made it more difficult for people to do it. But Cary Grant's mum, uh, was in the asylum in Bristol. Oh, right. For like 30 years, yeah. Because her dad just, his, Cary Grant's dad just said, oh, she's gone bonkers because her, her child died. So he, he said, oh, she's insane because he wanted to get married again, get rid of her. So packed her off to the asylum. Oh, uh, right, okay. And told That's quite... Of, it was on that Cary Grant programme. Oh, I've not seen it. That's good. Right, so next we'll be talking about the presentation. So thanks for listening to the those Vic, sorry thanks for listening to those Vicar blokes. Don't forget to subscribe, and I am looking into the merch honestly. So you keep saying every I, week, I, but we haven't got any yet. I know it's hard to find it, right? It's it's hard to find it. But in the meantime, please subscribe and uh, give us a comment and some suggestions, some more upbeat suggestions. I think for uh, stuff to watch in it. Yeah, please. So today, I started with so, that was good, wasn't it? Oh, that's all right, yeah. We're, we're on the 2nd of February. Yeah. Which is the candle mass, or the feast of the presentation of Christ in the temple. Um, and so we, we're celebrating a major festival in the Church of England. And um, other things as well. And uh, Catholics and Orthodox and all that sort of thing as well. Yeah, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah the Catholics and Orthodox have candle mass as well. 
Oh, okay. I thought you meant we were celebrating Catholics and Orthodox at the same oh, no, time. No, as... we're not celebrating. No, I'm not celebrating them. What are you on about? No, no, no. I suppose not. No. no. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, right across the, the, the worldwide church, really. Yeah. We're remembering an event that took place when Jesus was 40 days old. Um, that links us back to um, our water into wine story in lots of ways. All right, do you want to see what well, I want to do? Yeah, 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 I do. Because the big stone water jars that were used for the water into wine were used for the rites of purification. And what we celebrate at the feast of the presentation of Christ in the temple is the purification of Mary following her childbirth. Right. And so she wasn't really allowed back to the temple and was deemed unclean until this had taken place. So they arrive at the temple 40 days after Jesus's birth so as that she can be purified. So she would have been washed with the water that would have been used in the big stone water jars um, in the in the temple courts. Um, she would have bought their sacrifice, which was two young pigeons, um, and then offered them to God inside the church, or inside the temple. Um, and that was what really they were there for. Yeah, and why did she offer pigeons and not, uh, not a goat? B- because it was, it was um, two young pigeons or two doves that were written in the law for the necessary sacrifice. Because he didn't have any money. Well, they would have, yeah. If, yeah. if they were richer, they would have had to have had a bigger sacrifice. Yeah, that's it. But yeah. they were poor. Um, but it was only a, it it wasn't a major sin, and therefore, you didn't have to bankrupt yourself to do it. Yeah. Do you want yeah. Do you want to say a bit why women were why this thing with uh, purifications about what what? Do you- well, because giving birth is dirty. Yeah. And that's the way that it was viewed, was that you were unclean because you'd given birth and it was not seen as a as a pleasant thing to do. The dirt of it was more important than the, the abundance of the life that came from it. Mm. Oh, that sounds very prehistoric, doesn't it? No, not... I think, I think we're... Still there as a liturgy we can use in the BCP. Well, it is, yeah. But I think, though, what, what we've got here is a bit like the Lord Shaftesbury thing. Right, is it's been kind of hijacked this purification right by people who don't really understand it to make it be something it isn't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you have a more charitable understanding of it. Yeah, because we've been conditioned right to understand these purification rights as a kind of patriarchal thing that evil, horrible men have imposed on women because they're not very nice. And they made these women go through things to shame them about this, that, and the other, and all of that. Right? That's what we've been programmed right. to think. So, so, well, because we're told that they were unholy because yeah. they'd given birth. Yeah, that's right. But we understand that unholiness as a negative um, thing imposed by men to control women, isn't it? But is there anything more holy than giving birth? What does it mean to be unholy? What, when they're talking about ritual impurity, what 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 does that mean? Does that mean that they're dirty and disgusting, or does it mean something else? Well, it means that they've done something that that is not of God, or not pleasing to God, and I don't think that's true. Of birth. I don't think that's what it's getting at. I think, 
I think what all societies, a lot of societies, ancient society has had these sorts of rituals, right? Especially societies that were kind and good to women. Women, societies that valued women had these had these rituals, right? Well, that's an interesting take, right? Yeah. So, right, if you've got a society, right, if you've just had a baby, right, yeah, you are sort of, in a sense, in a world before sanitary products, right, yeah, which isn't that far away, otherwise, right, yeah, then that's a major problem, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So how do you deal with that major problem? Well, by looking after people. Yeah. So what you'd have to do then is you need to – Look after that person. Make sure they don't bleed too much. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All sorts of things, right? Yeah. So you need to do that. And what you don't need, right, is some sort of how can you put it, um, excitable man, right, who doesn't understand anything to do with this because he's an excitable man, then wanting to force himself onto his wife just after they've had a kid. Right. Okay. Do you get it? Yeah. Right? So the period that they've got of 40 days between birth and this purification thing is saying to men, your wife is off limits. But whilst also the temple is off limits. Yeah, because they're removed from society. Because they're not allowed out because they need to be looked after because they've just had a kid. So they're they're not allowed around men. Because they need to be looked after by other women, because they need to nurse their kids, need to be taught how to look after their kids, all these sorts of practical things. Oh, that's really interesting. I'd never looked at it from that side. I've always, I've always looked at it from being a very negative aspect. It's a way of protecting women from excited men who want to get jiggy with things because they've their wife has been pregnant. Right. Okay. That's what it's for. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Do you see what I mean? And also as well, a place that women can then, other women can then look after women who've just had like the midwives and so on. But, kids were but it almost then, it women, almost yeah? feels almost as, as negative, but in a different direction. Because then you're saying, right, 40 days have passed. Here's the act that goes in the temple. And now you can go home and get jiggy with it. Well, yeah, in a sense, you know. yeah. But you have to, but in the world where you, in the world that, um, you know, you don't have things that we now take for granted, like sanitation, like, you know, uh, sanitary stuff, all that sort of thing. You didn't have that. So you've got to solve the problem a different way. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, that makes some sense. Yeah, so that's the idea. And also as well, it's actually about saying that it's, actually, it's, it's the service of Thanksgiving for the birth of a child. That's the other thing, is the church in part, is, is about saying... Thank you for bringing me through this incredibly dangerous uh, situation. Yeah. So now I'm past that dangerous situation. You know, I have not bled out because this thing is all these sorts of things. Yeah, well, wrong, we, we, yeah? We, we kind of... We forget all We that. forget all that. We forget, actually, the number of women that died as a result of childbirth and actually still do in... in other parts of the world. Yeah. And we forget the mortality rate of children in the first 40 days because it's so rare nowadays. Yeah. So what You know, whereas it was quite common and, and it's not now. 
Exactly. So after the first 40 days, the danger, the major danger period with the past, one of the first danger periods with the past, and then, you know, uh, you know, for the mother and for the child. So that's why they go to the temple to give thanks for, to be purified of, and to say this person is now okay. Yeah. Ritually pure. But what we've got is people, like everything else, what we've got is back reading our culture into a different culture and saying, oh, well, they were really bad because we're much better now. Yeah. And it's just nasty men being horrible because it is. Rather than actually understanding that really it's about protecting women from... Because it was only women who were allowed near any... It was, they kept, it's, it's like that. You must, you've had kids, isn't it? You know, you're allowed in the in for the birth, isn't they? Do you know what I mean? But you know, midwives and stuff—they don't want you around, do they? I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. Well, that was my experience. Well, you must have been useless. Oh, it was good. Yeah, all right. If you say so. But have you ever? Did you ever take your kids to the one of those sort of weigh-in things? You know, where you take your kids and you get them weighed. Do you? Ever yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. What was the reception you got from that? It, it was it was an awful lot better than when I took my kids to the blooming local playgroup in the local church. Oh right, okay. It was a yeah. lot better than that. Um, yeah, but they're not happy with you there, are they? I wouldn't say that's true. Well, it was for me when I took my. When I had my kids before you had yours. Two thousand four, I had out, Andrew. Yeah, Josh is two thousand and three. Yeah. Um. So I took it. It, could, it was a different place as well, isn't it? So maybe yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the issue. Um, I think that, that all of that stuff was. Although I didn't suppose I went on my own. I went on my own. Ah, that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? I went with the wife when when ah. when I could. Um, oh yeah, because I took him. I'm thinking about it. That was more with Hayden than it was with Josh because I'd changed job by then. Yeah, she was I, home. I took him down to give her a break. I took him down to, um, he was before, he was, he was like about six weeks old or something, so he wasn't very old. I took him down to get weighed and that, and then, um, you know, off we go, like, so he was kind of like, and, uh, and they were, I, he had um, cradle cap, and they were like going on about, he said, well, when you take him home, tell his mum that this is what you've got to do. Then tell his mum to do this and tell his mum to do that. And I remember saying to the elf visitor, I said like, well, when I take him home, I'll bath him and I'll do this. Because she had an um, emergency section. Yeah. There was quite a lot she couldn't do. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Maybe that's why I looked into this bit more, but she was quite ill when um, Andrew was born for quite a while. So it's a bit more... Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to say spiritually what, what, what happened then? Now we've uh, sort of blown... Uh, now we've debunked it all. Yeah. Oh, ruined my sermon for Candlemas as well. Does it? No, it's kind of. Oh, right, okay. Cool. Might have improved it. Um, yeah. What do you mean by spiritual? Well, do you mean you... in the Simeon and the Anna story? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah they get into same, the real story of it. Same Simeon and Anna, are like, Okay, like, so... Sidetracked into kind of um, so sort of ancient s- feminism or whatever. So Simeon is uh, a man in Jerusalem who has been told by God that he's not allowed to die until he's met the Messiah. Um, and so he goes into the temple on the day that Jesus is presented and, uh, and, and meets with Jesus and instantly recognizes that he's allowed to die now. That's um, it. so we get what we call the nunc dimittis, 
um, in Scripture. Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. Yeah. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all your people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Yeah. That's it. We do it at um, gravesides, don't we? And at um, Compline. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, And what's he say to Mary as well? Oh, he says your your own soul will be pierced too. A sword will this, pierce your this own soul. This child is destined too. for great things. That's it. And your own soul will be pierced and too. And what happens to Mary? Well, she stands there while she watches her son get crucified. That's pretty soul piercing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's all that shadow of the importance of the mirror. As the gifts from the kings, it's, the it's a recognition that life and death are fundamental in Christ's acts of salvation. Yeah, it's the fate of all mothers. Because being a mother, you have to suffer. Yeah, that's what he's saying. His, uh, yeah. Jesus, his mum is no different. And then we get the prophet Anna. Yeah, that's um, it. Who, who we don't get many lines on compared to uh, Simeon. Um, but who, according to some accounts, is 84, and according to other accounts, must be about 106 or 107. Yeah. Because it, it words it differently and says she lived 84 years after her husband died, and she was married for seven years, and, you know, so she's she's just over 100. But yeah. even so, 84 is a ripe old age at that time. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, and, and she, too, recognises the importance of this particular child. Um. So that's why it's candle mass because it's the light that shines in the darkness. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, and there, of course there was a ritual, wasn't there? But Edison's ruined it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Um, that yeah. actually, once you'd used all your candles over the winter, you'd get new ones for the for the year that you were just entering. That's it. And so you take your candles to church with you, and have them blessed from the front. Um, so as every time you lit one and you lightened the darkness, you'd remember that blessing of them and know that Christ was with you um, through the dark periods. Uh, Which think, is kind yeah. of, it fits in with the talk that I do at a baptism when I give them the candle as well. Because yeah. I echo that, you know. It's the only place it finds its relevance. But I think though, what we've got today really is we live in a very unreal world we live in a very a world that's sort of distanced from reality and i think that a lot of the christian uh the christian years festivals are deeply embedded into reality and i think that because we don't live in what i mean you don't live near the land we don't live near death and life and things like that it's all kind of, we live in a very decadent and kind of fake way really now, like with the candles and things. Yeah. So I think, and the seasons are very different to us because we have central heating and, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, so a lot of the visceral nature of the change of the seasons because we live in towns and things like that, we're less aware of. And I think this festival's today in February as well because it's that time of year where we look back to Christmas yeah. And look forward to Easter. Yeah. But we are, it's kind of like the very beginnings of something like spring now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the nights are getting a bit, a bit. Well, they are, uh, yeah. You know, and you can feel that winter's almost over. Um, and we're looking forward. So it's the hinge that the Christian year changes on, isn't it, Candlemas? 
Yeah. Where we look back to Christmas and uh, forward to Easter. So I, I, I think it's really... It's yeah, but we lose some of that because society has made that shift some time ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, at that point where hot cross buns and Easter eggs were available in the seasonal aisle. Yeah, yeah, that's um, okay. You know. But I think that's the thing. We, we're losing um, part of our humanity, really, because we live in an unseasonal way. And I think that that's been coming since the Industrial Revolution. Looking back to what you're saying about child labour, is that with child labour, they'd have months and months where kids wouldn't have to do anything. They'd just run around and play because there wasn't a lot to do on the farm. Yeah. Right? Or to do with things like that. But in an industrial society, it's 24-7. They're always down the pit. They're always doing that. So the nature of work and life changed radically. And I think now as we move into the digital age, it's becoming even more distanced from reality. You know, so we can have apples whenever we want to. We we don't have seasonal veg, all these sorts of other things. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that way of, like you say, about blessing the candles is those little reminders of Christ being with us and the story of Christianity, which were embedded into everyday life, have been ripped away from us. Yeah. Because we've changed how we live. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're we're just all a bit too comfortable. Yeah, we're all a bit too comfortable to actually need these things to hold a greater relevance. But I think we do need them, but it's not an immediate need. Oh, I think we need them. I think yeah, it's too easy to not recognise that we need them. Yeah, that's right. Though we can we can pretend it's easier to pretend that we'll never die. Yeah, it's easier to pretend that. You know, uh, women were completely fine after they had a baby and they came home and it was all lovely and everything was great because everyone's always had babies in hospital. So not to to not understand why these purification rituals yeah. and stuff are there. So all these other things, because we live in a very different way now, don't we? That's the thing. Well, everything's got nice and safe, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Which is why we can't cope with um, viruses anymore. No. Because we just, we can't, we can't cope with risk. We can't cope with, you know, and, and this reality that Mary is told there, the sword will pierce your own soul too. That's the lived reality of being in a family and on of love that it will cost you. That sword will pierce your soul because you love someone. Yeah. We don't understand that anymore. Well, I think I think we do. We do because we stand next door to coffins a lot. But you know, I think that that intimate understanding of love being costly and responsibility being costly, and this idea of bearing that burden of cost is gone because we want pleasure instead. But that just makes us depressed. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I, I think there's an element where ultimately it it does, but it it, it we just don't recognise that either. We deny that reality. Yeah, we deny the reality that... that uh, we're always looking for the next short-term high. Yeah. Yeah, we're depressed, so we take a tablet to make us... You know, those sorts of fixes that we put in front of us, yeah. 
Well, it might not even be that, mightn't it? No. We're depressed, so we'll buy some on Timu. Or... <laughs> You're obsessed with Timu. Uh, yeah. Mildly obsessed yeah. with Timu at the moment. Yeah. Got some good value windscreen wipers on there, see? <laughs> so you can't <laughs> knock it. Um, but that's but that's what happens, isn't it? That whatever it is that gives us that short term high yeah. is is not it's not really sustaining us. No. It's it's just a lie. Yeah. That's right. And I think what the presentation thing shows is the light of Christ is in that family, in the holy family, and the love that's shown there, but that love ultimately is costly yeah and i think that's something we can emulate in our own families isn't it yeah because we can be in the way we live as a family be a light in the world but that will cost us yeah yeah it does right so next time we're in a minute we're talking about um did you enjoy it because you hadn't seen it in it um lord of the flies no i didn't think you would no no, so let's uh, let's talk about that. Thanks for listening to those Vicar blokes. Uh, don't forget to put your order form in for your merch when Howell gets round to it. Um, click like, click subscribe, share us with your friends, get the word out there how good we are. And uh, I think we didn't introduce. Oh. Do you know what I forgot to mention? What? It's, thanks to God, all of it. What is? Everything. Oh. If it goes right, it's thanks to God. And if it goes wrong, it's your fault. <laughs> it's my fault. Yeah. Yeah, well, I Okay. That's my enough. new motto. It, well, that is the nature of ministry, that is, actually. Yeah. And uh, in the next bit, because we didn't introduce it properly, I realised halfway through, is we are talking about the film Lord of the Flies, because we start, we didn't mention what it was, I don't think. No, I don't think we did. No, no that's no, very Lord true. Lord of the Flies, all right? Okay, Dave, so we had a, a, a request, isn't it, to watch Lord of the Flies? We yeah. Watched, we watched the, the easy version. We, well, because it, it was free on ITV. Yeah. ITV, yeah, X. It was free. Uh, the 1960-something one is far worse. Yeah, well, I'm not watching it. That one. No, and I'm not going to. I've I, I, I seen it years ago, the 60s version. Well, I think I'd seen this 90s version I before. I think I've seen it, yeah. But... Um, because it seemed very familiar, so I'd, I'd seen one or the other, or at least knew the story. Yeah. You, have um, you read the book as well? No, I've not read the book. Uh, didn't you do it in school? No. All oh, right. I did it in... We did extracts of it in school, so I read it then. No. Afterwards, uh, my mum... But I wasn't, I wasn't near the top English set, so well, um, maybe okay. I wouldn't have got to read such a book. Well, yeah. Harper I, Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird I read for I read that, school. Yeah, yeah. I read that. My mum... Romeo um, and Juliet. Oh, that's boring, isn't it? Yeah, Macbeth as well, I think. I like Macbeth. I like Macbeth. I I quite like Romeo and Juliet. Did you? Yeah. I like To Kill a Mockingbird too, but still, that's by the way. I like that, yeah. But we did... um, My mum was a teacher, so she used to give me books to read all the time, so it was quite annoying, really. So if she thought I needed... I don't think I knew that your mum was a teacher. Mm, So you're middle class, really, then, not, not working class. Your mum had a profession. You're you're middle class. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Well, you 
you're faking it like me. I'm not faking it. She's... You're faking working class like I am. I'm not. My well, my, my dad's a tradesman or something. He was a tradesman. He was a um, toolmaker. Oh, so he had a proper yeah. trade. Yeah. I flip it out. You're a proper middle class. That's not middle class. Yeah, you're middle class. Anyway, oh my on, gosh, um, you faux working class. Oh, you saw you're as bad as me. About, like she's on about. She's oh my dad's a band knife operator. Oh, it's just like anyway, right. I, so we're faking it, working classes. Well, I, I think married to proper working class women. Yeah, yeah I think if enough. I was, um, I think if I was in Aberdeen, I think going up there, they'd view you as upper middle class. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because my dad had a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Dad. Yeah, it was my dad had a job. Uh, but anyway, so um, do you want to see the story of? Um, uh, Lord of the Flies. That's what we're. That's what we're talking about. We should say about it, really. What yeah. So, so they end up being marooned on a desert island. A group of kids and the pilot. Right? Is he the pilot? He's the pilot. He's, like that. He's a teacher anyway. from their military school. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they're all like army cadet types, hmm. um, and they end up on this island, and they nominate who it is who's going to be in charge. Um, one of the lads doesn't like that and manages to persuade most of the kids that he should be in charge but he wants to run around play and kill things for the sake of killing them um he wants to be a hunter yeah but he also just left the pig to rot once he'd hunted it and and yeah he was incapable of making fire yeah um he didn't have piggy's glasses no well just he was incapable of keeping it going anyway wasn't he yeah um wanted to do things his way and not wait the way that worked for the community um but um so yeah it ends up all going wrong and they end up killing people yeah, yeah. and having no conscience about the fact they have yeah um yeah they and kill- poor old piggy gets a rock rock dropped on his head yeah it's horrifying but the 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 1990s lord of the flies bit is they miss out quite a lot of the taunting of Piggy and things like that, and they really, really... Is that book, even worse, is oh, it? Oh, yeah, in the book, they really... Oh, well, I thought they were horrible enough to him. Oh, I, no. I got the point from oh, watching the no, 90s no, no, no. version. All the, um, all the you know, they the broke films. his glasses, they yeah. tormented him in the night. You know, I, we saw that. Oh, yeah, they did far more than that in the uh, in the book. And and uh, they they have the pig's head, don't they? They put outside the cave where yeah. they say there's a monster. With a beast, but actually it was the it was the, the guy teacher who'd... guy who'd been stabbed by one of the kids yeah, with a, yeah. a homemade so, spear thing. So the the premise of the film of of the book as well is it's what's known as the first postmodern novel, right? I was told this by someone who knew about it. And what postmodernism basically is about is saying that there is no meaning in life. That that there, you cannot discern any meaning in the world. We all have to create our own meaning. Okay, so that's why it's so um, depressing and, and pointless. Yeah. yeah. What happens at the end? Do you want to say, like, the kids basically form a community and then all turn on each other, don't they? Yeah. And then it becomes like a kind of war of all against all, doesn't it? Well, oh, it doesn't become all against all, does it? It becomes the what the one large group against yeah. the one kid by the end in the nineties version. Yeah, yeah. Um, with just those twins that are they're kind of in the middle. They're, they're like they don't want to be in that, but they know that mm. it becomes the safest place for them. Yeah, 
But do you know what happens at the end? Do you remember what Well, they get rescued. By who? By the US military. Who are currently at war with somebody. I don't know. Who are they at war with? Nobody knows. They're like the Russians. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah? So they're rescued by people who may, or probably are, behaving just like the kids. That's the whole point. Oh, I never got that. It's a really... Because it was a short end to it, wasn't it? He basically got chased to the beach and he was going to get killed by the the he, gang. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, and the whole island is on fire. They've turned the whole they, habitat they're living in to They destroy the ashes. whole world. Yeah, they destroy the whole world. Yeah. The, the whole of their world is destroyed and they meet soldiers who, in the 50s, human beings for the first time ever, now have the ability to destroy the whole world. So the point of the end of The Lord of the Flies is that the human beings are like those kids, that we eventually will destroy the whole world. Because we we rebel against rules and structure. Yeah, we don't want rules and structure. We Basically, rules and structure are irrelevant. What's relevant is power, which is what postmodernism says is that the only thing that's relevant is power. Like um, what Voldemort says at the end of the um, Philosopher's Stone. He says, there's no such thing as good and evil. There's only power and those who have the courage to wield it. Yeah. Well, that's postmodernism. That's uh, the philosophy of like Nietzsche and people like that. Yeah, is this idea that that's what humanity is, is Lord of the Flies. The powerful kids will always dominate the less powerful kids. That Piggy represents reason because he's quite clever, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But reason is destroyed through power, right? Yeah. Right, because they kill Piggy. Uh, law is destroyed through power because they kill. They 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 almost kill the kid who's who's like the sensible democratic yeah. kid, right? And they do that through fear because they're all scared of the monster that's in the in the cave yeah and they put the lord of the flies the pig and they all dance around it in the book they all to do like a kind of weird ritual dance around it to keep the keep the um the monster away so do you think that's what human beings are have you noticed they create their own religion as well don't they the lord of the flies yeah they worship the pig don't they yeah do you see what I mean? Yeah. And when they do that, they all run around, don't they? They circle around. Yeah, well, we only yeah. saw that once in this film, didn't we? Because Elaine was chipping in that, that there was... It was a considerably abridged compared to the older film and the book. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because um, yeah, yeah. they had to fit into an hour and a half. Yeah, it, that's it. That's I think the, the original film is almost twice as long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, all the really scary bits uh, are left out of it, where they run around, uh, they, they create their own religion, which is really brutal and stuff like that. Yeah? Yeah. But human beings naturally worship, don't they, in a, in a bad way? Well, they wanted to worship something, didn't they? Yeah, so they worship power, didn't they? <clears throat> they worship power, yeah. Out of fear. So do you think human beings are like that? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I think some human beings worship power out of fear. I think some human beings seek to be those that wield that power over others. 
they want to be the one who drops the rock on Piggy's head. I think because that makes them look good in other people's eyes. I talk. I totally disagree with it. There, I think that what you've got there is the polarized nature of our society. Is we say some human beings are like um, Lord of the Flies, right? Yeah, and some human beings aren't. And I think that we're all like Lord of the Flies, and we're all good as well. I think we all can be like Lord of the Flies, right? Oh, I th- yeah. It, but well, we well, all it, can be better. And I think... Yeah, but I think that's where the twins come in. Yeah, that's the... I think that's yeah, where the yeah. twins come in, because actually what we do is we get dragged into fitting in with everybody else. That's it. So yeah. if the majority are on one side, it's really easy to get dragged to that side. We have no king but Caesar. Yeah. Do you want me to crucify your king, isn't it? That's what yeah. the pilot says to the people. Yeah. And they all shout, we have no king but Caesar. Yeah. What do you want me to do with this man? See, so the Bible, the, the Bible agrees with me. Yeah. Um, it's much easier to get drawn to, the, to that stuff um, when it looks more appealing than the other stuff. Because people are frightened. Because it's fear. And, and, and I yeah. think that's the way that humanity reacts. And I think that those... I think that we allow and encourage as humanity that that evil. We can do We yeah. encourage the evil. We can do. Because we don't stand up against it. Yeah. We don't do a Lord Shaftesbury. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. just let it happen. That's right. And we yeah. turn a blind eye to it and pretend it's... We pretend it's not bad and it's not evil and it's not from a dark place when really we know it is. Yeah, and that's why when people returned from the cross, they were beating their breasts because they knew that he was an innocent man in Luke's gospel. Yeah. They walked back and they knew they'd done wrong. But it was too late then. They'd gone too far. You've already joined in with the crowd. Yeah, they'd gone too far. You've already made the mistake. So I do think that Lord of the Flies is accurate, but also as well I think that there's another side to humanity that isn't shown in Lord of the Flies. So I think Lord of the Flies is half right. In what way is it not shown? Is it not shown from from the other lad who ends up getting chased to the beach? Is it not shown in Piggy? No, because Piggy in the book is more of a kind of perpetual victim. He never stands up to people in it. In the film he does, because they kind of soften it a bit. But he's a bit of a coward. Oh no, I, I think he's a you think he's a victim and a bit cowardly in this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but actually I think a little bit He's but, a little guy, isn't he? But I think the difference is is in Lord of the Flies, the the because it's postmodern, because it's post Second World War, because it's written in nineteen fifty three, is they believe the writer believes that I think that evil is greater than goodness. I don't think he believes that. Oh yeah, I think he does. No, I Definitely. think I think he's I think it's That's the message of the book that evil is great. Is it not prophecy? Yeah, it's saying that human beings will ultimately destroy themselves. Yeah. So sort yourselves out. No no no, it's it's saying you can't sort yourself out. I don't think it is. It's a bit it reminds me a bit of um Terminator Two. You know Terminator Two? Yeah. Cool film. These two kids were like fighting in a in a gas station. Yeah. Right. And Arnie used the good Terminator in Terminator 2. T- 
turns to the John Connor and says, it is inevitable that you will destroy yourselves. And I don't think it is. I think that's the, that's the difference. I think in Lord of the Flies, it's, it's just, it doesn't, it I doesn't focus know. on the goodness of humanity. Uh, uh, I think that's, I think goodness. I, who is it who wrote Lord of the Flies? William something, I can't remember. Well, he's like you. Is he? He's like you. In the sense that what he's saying, I think, is that you all think you've got moral progress. You all think you're really enlightened. Yeah, he is, yeah. But actually, yeah. you're not enlightened. Yeah. This is what's going to happen if you don't, if you don't return to what true enlightenment is. I think he, you've yeah. fooled yourself yeah. and this is what is going to happen. And, and, and I hope he's wrong and I still hope he's wrong. But you can see the realities of that working out in small ways in lots of places. I think, yeah. But I, think, I don't think it's yeah. new, though. Oh, no, no. I, think, I don't think it's new. Because... Well, I think uh, the illusion that we're enlightened is new, but not the... Not yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's not, because the Greeks used to think they were enlightened. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, it's just, it's just powerful people who think they're advanced and all this. It's basically just people who think they're great who, who believe this stuff. Um, but what, what he's pointing out, which is true, which is after the Second World War, the big idea of the Enlightenment was the more educated we are, the more cultured we are, then the more moral we will become. And that's what we're, what's, what's drummed into us in school, what's drummed into us in our society, right? And what was the country which is the most progressive, the most multicultural, the most... Um, uh, enlightened in that sense, the most educated in the whole of Europe. What was what country was that in the early twentieth century? I don't know. Germany. I suppose. So, out of Germany, out of the most cultured, enlightened country in the whole of Germany, right, came the great one of the greatest evils in humanity, and that's what he's writing about in Lord of the Flies. Because he believes the true nature of humanity is Nazis, basically. That's the thing, and I think there is a Nazi in all of us, and I think that. I think that we. I think that it's easy to put aside the 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 nature that we hold that is given to us as the image of God. Yeah. Yeah. And to take on a different image. Yeah, but the miracle is, I suppose, maybe we finish with this. The miracle is. That in the face of Lord of the Flies, which is the passion of Christ, um, Christ forgives us because God can see beyond that evil to see yeah. our true nature and wants to redeem us. Yeah. That's the miracle. And that's, I think, the most difficult thing to believe in Christianity is not in the goodness of God and the forgiving nature of God and the mercy of God, but the potential of humanity to be good. And that good is more str- is stronger than evil. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. So we'll uh, see you next time with a happier thing. Next time we're talking about the chosen and there the we chosen, yeah, chosen, yeah. That'll be a bit more upbeat than uh, I hope. Lord of the Flames. I've not seen it, so we'll wait and see.